I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 11th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Today, we're going to talk about the Florida Gators, and we're going to talk about how Dan Mullen and company have been absolutely crushing it in the transfer portal. Florida fans might want to complain about Dan Mullen and his recruiting, and yes, I would admit, number 13 nationally in the class of 2021, usually not going to cut it in Gainesville, and the year before, number nine in the class of 2020. That's barely going to cut it. Top 10, that's good, but it's not what Urban Meyer was doing when he was running things at Florida. However, what the Gators have been able to do in the transfer portal, not just this year, and we'll get to that with Thomas Goldcamp, but also last year, but also the last few years, Jonathan Grenard, Brenton Cox, Justin Shorter, the last two guys being five stars. And then, of course, this year, the recent addition of Eric Gilbert, the highest rated tight end in the history of the, of the recruiting rankings, had a great season at LSU. Going to be at Florida this fall. Demarcus Bowman, top 32 football recruit in the class of 2020, immediately almost transferred from Clemson after after two games. Could be Florida's starting running back this year. A few defensive tackles as well. It's all fortifying a Florida roster that I'll give them props. I thought their window for the SEC East and for the SEC in general was a quick one-year blip in 2020 open and shut because Kyle Trask is leaving, Kyle Pitts is leaving, Kadarius Toney, a lot of other guys. Doesn't look like it now. If Dan Mullen can figure out quarterback and get Emory Jones getting a, a little bit more improved, I think Florida could be pretty dang good in 2021. And in fact, in our recent college football top 25 poll, I moved my ranking for Florida up from 22 to 15 just by virtue of the Eric Gilbert edition. So I I think it's been fun to watch Dan Mullen crush in the portal. He's not the only coach who's doing it. He's not the only coach in Florida doing it. Manny Diaz at Miami, Mike Norvell at Florida State have all made waves. I think an interesting tangent there is the fact that the Florida schools are not keeping the in-state recruits home when it's time to make their letter of intent decision, but Maybe uh, they, they can they can correct some of those issues by virtue of, of being a transfer portal destination. So I asked Thomas Goldcamp of Swamp 24-7 to, to join us, lay out this master plan for Dan Mullen. Has this always been in the cards? Has he always wanted to hit the transfer portal? Has he accepted, have Florida fans accepted that the recruiting is going to hover around 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, never going to be top five? But most importantly, is that good enough to keep pace with Georgia and Alabama and the SEC recruiting monsters who Florida has to beat if it wants to make the college football playoff? It's an interesting conversation. We'll hit you with it right after the break. The College Football Daily will be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Bringing in Thomas Goldcamp right now. Thomas, did Dan Mullen ever 
give a heads up or a uh, a warning or call a shot that he was going to hit the transfer portal as hard as he has? He's ever said that, um, but it's definitely not something that is new since he's been at Florida. And I think really, even if you go back to his time at Mississippi State, Dan Mullen frequently used the JUCO ranks to kind of supplement recruiting. So I I don't know that he's ever explicitly said, hey, we're going to go out and dominate the transfer portal. But certainly when you look at the way Florida has approached things, just in terms of initial counter spots available for recruits that are maybe in high school, it's been very clear that this has been kind of a, a coordinated effort by Florida to make sure that they're really policing the portal. Yeah, the reason I ask is because I, last year, Manny Diaz, who was like Florida, one of the big winners of the of the portal last year, and, and again this year, was on the record saying this is going to be part of our program building strategy. We're gonna we're gonna supplement our recruiting classes with the transfer portal, and uh, and, and we're gonna be aggressive in doing that. And I I just kind of I'm sure it's been interesting for you to cover Dan Mullen and how he's gone about this. I think when he came to Gainesville, you probably knew what he would be as a recruiter. It's probably played out like it has. But the last few years to to be able to add five five stars via the transfer portal in the last two seasons, I would imagine like I, I would love to. I don't know if he did a signing day press conference, but I would think he thinks about the transfer portal probably almost as much as he thinks about recruiting. I think that's probably true. I mean, I think the way that, you know, conceptually they've kind of put it together is they know that you're going to come across some weaknesses on the field as you go through coaching players in certain positions. You know, certain recruits aren't going to pan out the way you thought they did. And I think the way that Florida kind of looks at the transfer portal is almost, okay, this is kind of a way that we can immediately shore up spots. And as the transfer portal has become more popular, obviously it's been easier to do that, you know. It used to be kind of only grad transfers were able to fill those roles. And Florida took advantage of that with a guy like Jonathan Grenard uh, last year. But I think more and more you're seeing that it's almost like Florida has, you know, 100% of, you know, these spots available and they use maybe 10% they're holding for the portal. That way, you know, if one year your receivers don't turn turn out as good as you thought they were going to be, you can add a Van Jefferson, a Trayvon Grimes, you know, a guy that can come in right away and contribute. I, I very much think that's part of kind of Florida's core strategy at this point. So signing day was last week. Florida inks the number 13 class. Were people upset about it or were they just so so happy about the the recent additions of Eric Gilbert and the rest of the transfer class that you didn't hear the griping that I would expect you to? What 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 was the overall mood about how this this offseason of player acquisition went? You know, I think it's both. I think, you know, there was a lot of griping, I think, from a lot of fans that follow recruiting very closely. And I think rightly so. I mean, you know, you said it, Florida staff, when they came in, you kind of knew what Dan Mullen was in terms of a recruiter. And, you know, you thought maybe the Florida brand could kind of push him over the top. I haven't really seen that happen. You know, I think, you know, Florida obviously trusts its evaluations a lot. But when you kind of lean on that, it doesn't mean that they're not still missing out on guys that they want. And that's kind of the core issue for Florida is I think they're losing a few too many of these head-to-head battles against, you know, the Alabamas, the Georgias, even Clemson coming into the state of Florida and taking some guys. You'd like to see Florida win, you know, every year, maybe two to three more of those battles for kind of the top 100 type recruits, you know, and that, that's where Florida's recruiting needs to improve. You know, I don't know if, if it will under Dan Mullen. I think, you know, to your point, I think to some degree, we're we're kind of getting what we expected. And I think I think fans are kind of coming to terms with the fact that while that is the case, you know, Florida has also done a very good job using the portal to supplement that. And if you go back and you kind of, you know, if you were to theoretically add some of these transfers that they've had in, you know, if you had the four guys they took this year and, and kind of uh, took like a comparable recruit in this class and added it via the class calculator, 
Florida goes from about 13 to somewhere in the seven, eight range. Maybe not as, you know, clear when you're looking at the team rankings, you know, the kind of talent that Florida is working with. And again, I think that goes back to the point that, you know, when Florida finds a weakness or a spot that it needs to shore up, uh, like this year, they had a, they had a major need at defensive tackle. Well, they went after it in the portal. You know, you've, you've got some young guys that you've recruited in the last two classes, but they've also gone and now got some immediate plug and play guys that have experience at other power five programs. And I think, I think the more fans are starting to understand that that's a core part of the process. Maybe, you know, you're not quite as upset about seeing the number 13 on the team ranking. Yeah. And even the jump up, if you add some guys to this year's class or whatever, like in 2020, the number nine class, if you added Gilbert and Bowman, that jumps to six, um, which is, uh, that's, that's good enough. Tell me about the, the re-recruitment of DeMarcus Bowman and, and Eric Gilbert as well. When DeMarcus Bowman transferred from, from Clemson, he pretty quickly arrived at Florida or arrived on their, or their transfer list, or what have you. I don't know if he actually went to Gainesville this fall. And then Eric Gilbert, we all thought Georgia. We all thought Georgia. And then, and then Florida, Florida got him. Kind of, to me, it was a surprise. Yeah, I think Gilbert was definitely the more surprising one of the two. You know, Florida had really kind of been in DeMarcus Bowman's recruitment process all the way along. Uh, you know, I think, Pretty early on, he had honed in on Clemson as his option, but Florida kept recruiting him. You know, Greg Knox did a really good job just making sure that he was there and kind of kept in touch throughout the process, even though he was committed to Clemson. And I know, you know, his family obviously uh, was very supportive of, you know, kind of the program that Florida offered as well. And so, you know, when you've got a couple high school teammates, you want to move a little bit closer to home. Florida was just kind of a natural fit for Bowman. And I, I thought that was very, very apparent kind of from day one, as soon as he hit the portal, that Florida could be a major factor there. For Gilbert, I, I didn't really feel like that was the case. You know, I mean, you mentioned it, everybody kind of assumed that Georgia was going to be the landing spot there. And I think for Florida, I, I have to believe that Kyle Pitts was a huge part of that decision and the kind of season that he had this year for Florida, being able to see that, you know, seeing talk about him maybe being as high as a, a top five five draft pick this year. I think that's got to have a major, major influence on a guy who was, uh, I believe, the highest rated tight end ever uh, on 24-7 sports as a high school prospect. You know, I, I don't know um, the, the full ins and outs of that kind of transfer recruitment, but uh, obviously Florida did a good job in landing both of those guys. Yeah, he sure was the highest rated tight end in, in the history of the top 247. How would you handicap the expectations for Gilbert this fall. It's it's painfully easy for us to to nationally go, okay, Kyle Pitts out, in come Eric Gilbert. And look, I, I know what Kyle Pitts did was phenomenal. One of the best college tight ends, at least in the modern era. But you look at Gilbert's recruiting ranking, he, he was good at LSU too. I'd say to myself, okay, like he could he could maybe match most of this. Yeah, I think that's going to be tough. I mean, I think, you know, as good a player as Kyle Pitts is and, and as much of a matchup nightmare as he was for opposing defenses, a lot of that had to do with Kyle Trask and his ability to kind of process defenses, understand what he was seeing before the snap in terms of where the matchups would be. And then he was really able to use that to his advantage to take advantage of the the times where Pitts was singled up against the defender. I don't think Florida's offense is going to look remotely similar next year to what we saw this fall. I think Emory Jones is a, a very different type of quarterback. The offense is going to go probably a lot more towards that more traditional Dan Mullen running style offense where you're really utilizing the zone read and, and reading the numbers in the box in terms of whether you go run pass. And so I, I think Gilbert will have plenty of opportunities. And I, I do think, you know, Florida's number of weapons, you know, the other two tight ends when Kyle Pitts were out was, were pretty good. So I think you're going to see more of kind of a tight end personnel package that Florida runs with a lot more two tight end stuff, trying to get numbers advantages in the box for the run game. And then I think because Florida is going to probably be so run heavy next year with the added threat of, of an Emory Jones, 
that's going to inherently kind of open up some one-on-one matchups. I, I just don't see, I mean, what Kyle Pitts did was insane. I mean, you're talking about four touchdowns in the season opener. I mean, Florida record-setting offense this year with Kyle Trask. I don't think you're going to see that level of production, but I do think you're going to look at Gilbert by the end of the season and, and he'll be one of the top tight ends in the country. And production-wise, we'll probably be right up there at the top of the SEC. I'll preface this final question with the acknowledgement that it was not a great uh, year for quarterbacks in the transfer portal. We're currently trying to figure out how to rank these guys and it's just not, it's not too sexy. But do you think Dan Mullen was remotely tempted to find maybe the best available guy he could and and keep the offensive passing fireworks going? Or is he rather excited about getting back to his Starkville roots with Emory Jones or or maybe seeing what Anthony Richardson has as well? I don't think uh, quarterbacks really fit into Dan Mullen's transfer portal strategy. Having said that, I, you know, I, I don't know that for a fact. I know that Florida was never really interested in Joe Burrow. And, you know, obviously we saw what he did over at LSU. I, I think Dan Mullen you know, has such a history of developing quarterbacks. And the more you hear him describe the process, the more you realize how important it is that he gets quarterbacks involved early in their careers in kind of very situational opportunities where they're, they're, you know, getting a package in a game like Georgia as a freshman, like Emory Jones did, where they're getting experience to the big stage, but it's in a very controlled structure, you know, where they've really wrecked that package, not just that game week, but really throughout that entire season for these true freshman quarterbacks. And then they expand it a little bit more as they become a sophomore. I think when you take a transfer, unless it's a slam dunk guy that you're already kind of familiar with, I don't think Dan Mullen really wants to pursue quarterbacks in the portal because I think he's so intent on you know his his process of molding and developing young quarterbacks that he really trusts his guys. And you know I don't think Emory Jones is going to be Kyle Trask. I think it's going to be you know like I said a different style of offense. But I do very much sense that Dan Mullen is excited about that shift. And I think the ability that Dan Mullen has to craft his offense around the skill sets of his players is unique in college football. And I think it makes Florida's offense, you know, and and Mississippi State's offenses back when Mullen was there difficult to defend because they change from year to year. I mean, they really do. And if you look at, you know, what Dak Prescott did, totally different than what Tim Tebow did at Florida, but both were highly successful. And I think you saw that even with just Felipe Franks was a little bit more run oriented. And then you bring in Kyle Trask and you go full passing. Well, next year they're going to go much more full run style. And I think that's, that's about Dan Mullen having a lot of confidence in his ability to develop quarterbacks and his staff's ability to kind of adjust around the pieces they have. Good stuff from Thomas Goldcamp. We appreciate it. All right. I appreciate Thomas for taking some time out of his busy schedule covering the transfer portal to, to talk to us about all that. You can follow him on Twitter at Thomas Goldcamp. Our producer, Lance Glenn, done a great job putting this episode and every other episode this week together. My name is Trey Scott, the College Football Daily. We'll be back on Friday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.